our goal over these four weeks was to visit four core areas that are matters of the heart to you. So we referenced, we learned about areas of our greatest desire and our greatest need. Together, we learned principles that when applied out of the word of God, they're time tested. They last forever and ever. The Bible has so much to teach us about our heart. Did y'all take those notes down and do y'all feel that way that you learned something? Okay. We learned about our big girl personal responsibilities of guarding our own hearts and why above all else we're commissioned to guard them with all diligence. Because remember, as our hearts go, so go we. The Bible says out of it flow the issues of life. And when you see a girl who has issues, it's because she has an untended heart. And I don't know if y'all remember, but one night I said, there's nothing more beautiful than a woman, a girl, a lady with a well-tended heart. Everybody wants to be around that chick, right? Because she has enough for her and then she has something for everybody else. And there's nothing more unattractive than a woman with an untended heart. And when you meet someone who's really complicated, you can just think to yourself, in the good way, not the ugly southern way. Let me just precursor. Bless her heart. (laughs) She just hasn't tended her heart well. Is that true? That's just a woman with an untended heart. Pray for that girl. So I want to begin tonight where we begin. So we're going to read this passage out loud together because I really want y'all getting this in you. So they're going to put it on the screen and we're going to read it out loud. I think they're going to put it on the screen. No. It's Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. He's not, he didn't roll it up. Okay. Okay. Let's read it out loud together. Come on, listen carefully to everything that I teach you and pay close attention to all I have to say. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. So above all else, guard your own heart with all diligence for out of it flow the issues of life. If you walk away with nothing but that one passage embedded in your heart, you're ahead of the game. You're ahead of the most of the girls you run with. I love the powerful truth that I referenced that reminds us that external discipline equals behavioral modification. It's very childlike. It's what we do with our children, right? It's external. But when you begin to apply the word of God to your life, it becomes Internal stewardship and internal stewardship equals transformation. So some of y'all tonight might be thinking, I'm stuck, Miss Michelle. How do I get from where I am to where I want to be? By actually applying the principles of the word of God to your heart. Because I promise you, they really do work. My goal for you as you apply these principles is that you don't keep Uh, revisiting the crazy cycles that we can in our life? How many of you walk through some cycles? I want to tell you something. You may have heard someone else say this because it doesn't originate with me, but, you know, God made seasons to change, right? Seasons change. We walk through different seasons in life. Cycles are like a hamster on the little thing. It just keeps going, and it takes you nowhere. God did not create cycles for your life. He created seasons for your life. Please remember that. 
In our time together, we've unearthed principles of not only tending our own hearts, but tending the hearts of our home, of our friendships, of our families. All personal stewardship is issues where God promises, he promises, that if we're faithful in the small things, he can then begin entrusting us with more. You know, you look at the girl who has more and you look, how do I get more? Be faithful with what you have in your hand today, and I promise you he will grow it, and one day you'll be the girl who has more. That's a promise. God doesn't have favorites. God does not have favorites. The Bible tells us that. He honors principles, and when you apply them, they really do work, and then you look like you're a favorite. I wrote in my little notes, I said, we discussed a couple of big girl issues here over these last few weeks, right? I think y'all were pretty courageous. Thank y'all for not like throwing stuff at me or like getting up and walking out. A few things I said, I had to pause and go, is this okay? But y'all rose up. I love that. The title of our women's ministry is Arise because my heart is to call women, Heidi's heart is to call women to come out, rise up, and take their rightful place as women, as wives, as moms, as daughters, as friends, and as children of God. So thank y'all for being those girls who showed up and are rising up. Of all the relationships that will change over the course of our lifetime that we discussed, our friendships, some marriages change. I hate to say it, but I know some of them have. There is one relationship that I want to speak about tonight, and I want to end on this note. That never, ever, 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 ever changes. And if you're taking notes tonight, I want you entitled tonight, Tending the Heart of Your Faith. I'm going to help you tend the heart of your faith. Because y'all remember, everything has a heart. Everything has a heart. Or not. But I want to tell you today, as I deliver this message. So, I mean, I really prayed through... I had two of my sons pray for me. I called my best friend to pray for me, who I told you all about last week. Amberly wanted me to start with another funny story tonight, but I said, no, I can't distract from what God wants me to tell these precious ladies, or we'll go on like story time with Michelle Aranza, and we won't accomplish anything. But my precious mama, who's almost 89 years old, who is the foundation of my faith, who has invested in seven children 18 grandchildren, all of the in-laws was just put on hospice care. So I've been with her like in the mornings and in the night and they just put her on hospice care. And so even today sitting there and I'm thinking about y'all and I'm looking at her and I'm praying for y'all and I'm praying for her. And I really felt like the Holy Spirit prodded in my heart and like poked me and said, it's all the same. Because it starts with him, and it ends with him. So I'm a mom of six children, and I remember the day at church when I dedicated my children, right? And I remember the day at Wesley's service when we ushered Wesley home. My, he was 21. My mom is almost 89. But it all starts with him. And ladies, it's all going to end with him. So that's why it's so important that you learn to tend the heart of your faith. The book, the Bible that we're referencing is a love story through and through. And I want to tell you this. There are parts that are written for us. That's the historical parts and the parts where we learn perspective, right? Mostly the Old Testament. 
But then there are parts that were written to us. And that's personal, it's relational, and it's most often very romantic because it's between the lover of your soul and you. The one who has a heart for you that's never going to change and never going to leave and always be faithful. It's so personal that I love when he says in this passage, it's one of my favorite, because I think of when I was in junior high. It says, Isaiah 49, 16, I have written your name on the palm of my hand. Do y'all remember being in junior high? Maybe it's just me. Okay, crushing on the boy, three desks over. You know, his name was Micah. And, you know, he doesn't know you're crushing on him, but you write his, where do you write his name? Is it true? I don't know any girl that hasn't done that. But that's what God says about you. This is out of the Bible. I've written your names. Ladies, I don't know if you know that or not. He's written your name on the palm of his hand. That's the part of scripture that's personal and relational. I love when Psalm 17, 18 says, he calls you the apple of his eye. My prayer for each of us is tonight is that as we become more acquainted with the heart of this loving father, that we will have a fresh understanding of his mercy and his grace and how they're poured out from his heart for the well-being of ours. Our mighty God, the creator of all things heaven and earth, has a heart. He has a heart, y'all. So remember week one when I said we're created in his image, in his likeness? Nothing else in creation. He's God the creator. He created the skies and the seas and the trees and the animals. and the. But nothing is created in his image like us. He has a heart. Like you have a heart. I did a whole study one time. I won't, I won't linger on this. Hannah, remind me to tell you about it later because it was so cool. And it's all the physical attributes of God. God has a back because he turns his back on injustice. God has a hand because he extends his hand to the poor. God has eyes because he looks to and fro. It's all the things that we are because we're created in his image and in his likeness. And God has a heart. His heart for each of us is that we will become willing participants in his great love story. But he forces no one. It's the art of the woo. Love is not forced. Love is desirous. But that's his heart for us. That we would have a relationship with him. Like the one who rescued me. And maybe like the one who rescued you. Because I don't know if your junk was as much as my junk but I'm pretty sure we all have it because I don't think my junk's any cuter or any uglier than yours. He was the rescuer. That song, what? When I thought I lost me, you knew where I left me. Like you're the defender of my heart. That's what that song says. How many of y'all were wrecked by that? Maybe just me. Because there are times I lost me and he knew where I so grateful. Ephesians 2.10, another one of my favorite passages, is he reminds us that I am, you are, we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. 
Because remember, he's the only one who knew us before we were ever born and dreamt dreams for us that are God dreams that we're walking in now. Like moms, when you're having a baby and you're praying over that baby and you're praying about the name and you're dreaming what that baby's going to do and what that baby's going to be, that's God's heart for you because God has a heart. And he prepared things for you with all his heart and all his passion and all his love. I'll never fully understand the mystery of how we can both be his work in progress and at the same time be called to do his work. How humbling is that? I'm a work in progress, and yet I'm standing up here before you doing his work. I, I don't even know. I always say, I might have said it one of the other nights, sometimes I just feel sorry for God because all he has to work with is us. Right? All he has to work with is us. Only a merciful, loving, patient father chooses to use perfectly imperfect girls like you and like I. That's the God I'm speaking about with you tonight. And that's why I want you to learn to tend the heart of your faith. So tonight I want to introduce you to, two, to three characteristics that reflect the heart of God. There are so many we could do a whole month's study on the heart of God and the character of God, but we have time for three. If you're taking notes, I want you to write, God is love. God does a lot of things. He shows a lot of things. He shows mercy. He shows grace. He shows kindness. Those are acts of God. But the Bible says that who God is, he's two things. God is the creator and God is love. So the first character great, I'm talking to you about tonight is God is love. First John 4, 8 says, he is love through and through. He is love and all love comes from him. God is love. If you cord him down the middle, he would bleed love because it's who he is. Because the essence of who he is is love. He loves unconditionally. He loves purely without limits. Y'all, who else in your life loves you with no ifs, ands, or buts? Nobody but God. He loves you and me with no fine print because he knows nothing else. He's a lavish lover. God doesn't have love. He is love. 1 John 3, 1 says, How great is the love of God that we can be called children of God. And I want us to read the next passage out loud together. It's Romans 8, 38 through 39. Let's read it together. So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing that can separate me from this love of God. Nothing past, nothing present or future can weaken his love for me. Not heights, not depths, not width, not length can distant me from his passionate love. Y'all, if you're raised in church, we've learned this our whole life. But don't get lost in the words. Please go back to the heart of it. Because these are not just words. This really is the heart of God for you and I. And I know it's hard to comprehend that someone could really love you with all your junk, past, present, and future. But that's the kind of God he is. That's the kind of heart he has for you and I. Isaiah 54.10 reminds us that... What is happening in the world today? That though the mountains may be shaken and the hills be removed, 
My unfailing love for you will not be shaken or removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. What kind of love is this? And I wrote, it's the most romantic kind of love. God compares his love for us as a bridegroom and a bride. And y'all know when I speak, I didn't do it this time because I didn't speak on marriage. I didn't have time. So sorry. That was really a hot one. (laughs) Y'all, y'all think I was a little unhinged on the other one? Let me speak about Pastor Casanova. (laughs) I'm not joking. But y'all know, I said, okay, so when we were, I'll just say this, when we were in Bible, when I was in Bible college, so we, crazy story, you know, we realized we liked each other. We said we liked each other. I didn't know, but he had already asked my parents hand for my hand in marriage. We went on our first date. He tells me he likes me. Two days later, I leave to go to Bible college. He leaves to take a pastorate job in Texas, and we make a commitment that we're not going to speak. I don't know why we made this commitment, because he thought it was so holy. And I was just following his lead because he was Pastor Casanova. So why not, right? I would jump off the bridge with him. But he decides we're not going to talk for the first four months of Bible college. We're only going to write letters. Those letters are in a safe under lock and key. And only my husband and I and maybe possibly Lindsay know the code. Because on my dying day, they will probably be burned because I don't ever want my children to read all those letters. <laughs> but they're too precious. I can't, I can't throw them away. Because it's our heart, right? Can I just read one little letter? (laughs) Entitled, My True Love, of course. Remember, I mean, he's Latina. God is dark too, because, you know, that's like the Hebrew people. I'm convinced. I'm convinced, and I've been there. All those places, okay. My true love, there is so much to tell you. Why don't y'all close y'all's eyes? Because I feel weird reading this in front of y'all, okay? <laughs> uh, maybe I'll just turn around. So, my true love, there is so much to tell you. So many more letters to write. But I must say that as I woke up this morning, my heart smiled at the very thought of you. Truth is, even if I searched the world over, I could never find anyone else who would compare to you. I'm literally taken with you, constantly dreaming and thinking of all things you, truly smitten. From the very first glance, your beautiful face caught my gaze. Those eyes, they look into the deepest places of my heart. When you smile, it's as though even your cheeks are happy. You, my love, have lips that woo me. Although we're in different places for now, I can still remember your fragrance. It's like you're everywhere I am in every breath I breathe. For all the many voices I hear in a day, your voice sounds special to me. It's the most precious voice I've ever heard. You've captured my heart, and even as I sleep, my heart thinks only of you. The thought of us being together can't come soon enough. I honestly am lovesick. I love you more than anything. Forever, forever, forever your love. I want to read that to y'all because this is not a letter from Pastor Casanova to me. Everything I just read to you was taken out of the Bible, and it's what God says about you. That letter is what God says about you. Because remember, he has a heart, and his heart is for you, his heart is with you, and his heart resides within you. 
I cannot fathom the thought that he who knows me best loves me most. He does that because he is love. God is love. Second point, God's heart is faithful. We give ourselves to so many things, friends, that never give back. We so often find ourselves coming up empty, right? But I want to remind you what 2 Timothy 2.13 reminds us. That even if we are faithless, he will, be, he will still be full of faith. For he never wavers in his faithfulness to us. Psalms 119.90 reminds us that his faithfulness alone endures from generation to generation. His promises are different than all other promises. You know, when I was in junior, I had a best friend my whole life. Okay, we were born in the same hospital, a couple of rooms apart from each other. I had a friend my whole life. Elementary, baby, elementary, junior high, high school. And when we were in junior high, we bought each other promise rings because it was like the cool thing for BFS to do. You know how many promises we made we never kept? Like, I was going to name my children after her. Her name's Claire. If your name's Claire, it's a beautiful name. I have no children named Claire. Okay? You just make promises. But there is a promise keeper who really does keep his promises. His promises are different from all others because they're true. He cannot lie. He's God. Hebrews 10.23 reminds us, let us hold fast the confession of our faith and our hope without wavering, for he who promised us is faithful. And I just wrote in all caps, great is his faithfulness. And y'all know the song and sing it to yourselves later. Remind yourself of it when you're driving in the car. When things don't make sense in your life, go back to the one who's anchored, that's unwavering, that's unchanging, because he is faithful. I know this to be true. I promise y'all. I've lived a lot of life. I've seen my mom and dad live a lot of life. I've seen our pastors live a lot of life. And I can testify to the fact that he is faithful. When I'm not faithful, he is faithful. Like, how good is that? Last character trait I want to address is that God is forgiving. Christianity is the only belief system in the world that requires nothing from us but a willing heart to receive his forgiveness. Our tab was really paid in full at Christ's expense. On our best day, we are imperfect and in need of grace and forgiveness from God and others. I love what Dr. Darius Daniel says when he says, because we're human, we don't do some things imperfectly. We do all things imperfectly. Y'all, we're so many generations away from the garden. Like, think how far off we are from the point, right? We don't do some things imperfectly. We do all things imperfectly. And yet he forgives it, and he graces us, and he's faithful, and he loves us, and then he woos us back as though nothing ever even happened. Like, what in the... I'm going to tell you what my grandson says all the time when he sees something new. He's like, what in the world? I mean, what in the world? If I get a new snack in my pantry and he opens that pantry, what in the world? But that's how I feel when I read all this. Like, what in the world? Because this is true. It's like I'm reading a storybook. It's like we're in a movie that's like fiction, but it's not fiction. Even as I'm preparing this for y'all, thinking about y'all, I don't know all your stories, but I know there's women in here who came in here tonight with stuff. 
And even as they were singing, I was thinking about the passage that says, cast your care upon him because he cares for you. And when I come into church and worship starts and I've had a hard day or a hard week or a hard year, that's what I see myself doing. Worship starts and I just like, like I just cast it on him because I know he cares for me and he's going to help me. He's forgiving. In Hebrews 8, 12, 8, 12, sorry, I thought it was 8, 12. Okay, 8, 12, I will demonstrate my mercy to them and I will forgive their sins never to be remembered Again, can we just all take a collective breath? Y'all, y'all ever did some stuff you don't want nobody remembering? I don't, I'm telling y'all, am I talking to myself? Never to be remembered. I like that part. <laughs> yes, Lord, I concur. Hebrews 10, 16 through 17, I have written my laws on their hearts and I fasten my word to their thoughts. I will remember their sins no more because they are forgiven. And I love when he says it this way, I have fast, I've written my laws on their hearts. This whole series is about the heart. So heart to heart, that's where he chose to write his words. Our hearts are the place where Jesus chose to dwell. Psalm 103, 11 through 12 reminds us that for as the heavens are high above the earth, so great, so great is his mercy toward those who honor him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. All we have to do is confess and ask. Luke 7, 47, I know I'm giving you a lot of passages, but look at me. Me talking is nothing. It's story time with Michelle Aranza. You're going to leave and forget half of it. The principles of the word of God is what I want y'all leaving with. That's what's unending. So Luke 7, 47 reminds us that she who has been forgiven much is a girl who loves much. And y'all, the people, most of the people that I surround myself with, they're not the girls that have it all together. I don't even like those girls. I just don't. My daughter's sitting here. My assistant's sitting here. I don't even have time for those girls because they're living in pretend world. Like they're Barbies in real life. I didn't see Barbie, let me just say. They're Barbies in real life. God loves the broken things. He says, my heart is drawn. I draw near to the broken. Those who are brokenhearted, that's who has the heart of God. So I love that passage. She who's been forgiven much loves much. Because you know what? Those really are the girls that love purely. Because they know they don't deserve it. And so they get it and they just want to share it with everybody. How did it become so complicated? Because God is so real, but so is the enemy. In the end, God wins. But there are some legit battles to be fought between now and then. I'm looking at a room of warriors. Okay, we're not here to be cute. We're here to do battle. For ourselves, for our marriage, for our children, for our homes, for our community, for our church. There is a great battle in the unseen world taking place for our lives right now and the lives of those we love. Do you sense that? Do y'all sense it? Do you wake up in the morning and hear it? You read the newspaper, you listen to the news, you hear it in the office. This world is crazy right now. It's always been crazy since the fall, but Psalms 103 
encourages us in this, and I apply this to my life all the time. Speak to your own soul. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Y'all, there are times where you're in a place in your life that no one has access to encourage you because you might not even be able to speak what's going on in your life. Okay, but you have the ability to speak to your own soul. And let me tell you what that looks like for me. And you're never going to forget this. When I'm anxious, when I'm fearful, when I'm concerned, I put my hands over my heart. Put your hands over your heart. And say this out loud with me. No fear lives here. Say that one more time. No fear lives here. Okay, and the reason no fear lives here is because it's the place where Jesus dwells. And I'm speaking to my own soul, and I'm encouraging myself in the Lord. I'm reminding myself. Okay, this is God's territory. This does not belong to the enemy. No fear lives where Jesus is. My heart is filled with faith, and I re-encourage myself in the Lord. Why is it important to learn about the characteristics of this loving God? Because disappointment will come and visit you throughout your life. Doubt will come and visit you throughout your life. Accusation against a very good God will come and visit you throughout your life. And I think I said this one night, but if I didn't, let me just encourage you now. God who is faithful, God who is loving, God who is forgiven, forgiving gives us choices. Okay, so we, we make these big girl choices, right? And then a lot of times we make these big girl choices on our own and things go awry. And why in the world at that moment do we look at him and go, why God? Why? I think he's looking at us saying, Why? I'll tell you why, because you just went rogue. Like, y'all cutting me out the deal. Like, he had nothing to do with it. He, that's not what he wanted for you. Right? But that's the voice of the enemy. He turns the accusation towards the only person who can actually help you. Disappointment's going to come. You need to know the principles of the word of God and how to do battle. Love is a choice, but it is also a great responsibility. Our hearts, I want to tell you this. When I was walking through everything with Wesley and the woman who mentors me commissioned me to do a few things, but one was in the morning, Michelle. When you open your blinds, remind yourself that his mercies are new every morning. Quiet your soul. Listen to what the Lord has to say. And one morning as I was sitting down pondering and just waiting, and I'm, I'm really in all matters of the heart, I heard the Holy Spirit speak to me. And the Holy Spirit said, Michelle, your heart is older than you are, and your heart is wiser than you are, because that's the place where Jesus dwells. But you have to take time and make time and create margin to hear your heart say what, to hear what your heart is trying to say to you, which is the voice of Jesus. So love is a choice, but it's also a responsibility. Make time and space to hold fast to those precious promises of God for your life. There are declarations that we say. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. My compass has been set. I've set it for my family, for my marriage, for my children, and for my grandchildren. I speak to my soul. As for me and my house, and y'all, I speak it primarily when I'm not seeing it. 
Because when I'm seeing it and everything's great, I don't really need to speak about it. But when things are not there, I operate by faith and I speak those things that are not as though they are until they become. I'm no one different than you. You have a mouth and you can speak it as well. Because of his great love for me, I choose do's and don'ts. I mentioned this the first week about tending your heart. I choose what I put my eyes on, what I choose to listen to, what I speak, and where I choose to go. Because those either are things that will head you in or those are traps of the enemy that will distract your life and derail you from your call and your purpose. Love is an expression that originates from within the heart. We've yet to see love. We've only seen the expression of love. And I want to share this with you. This is another thing that the Lord spoke to me very clearly one day. He said, Michelle, you've never seen love. You've only seen an expression of love. So think of it this way. You can be madly in love with the guy in the office next to you. Nobody knows anything until they realize you left him a note. Or he sent you a flock. Those are expressions. Okay, a mama looks in the face of her baby and gleams. Okay, you're wooed by. Those are expressions. The Bible says God is love, but it also says no one has seen God. And that when we stand before love and we see love, that we will be so smitten that we'll fall to the floor. So think of it on your best day. You've only seen an expression like the shadow of love. Is that overwhelming? And I've never heard anybody else say, I promise that came to me like from Jesus, okay? And it's in 1 John 1.18, no man has seen God, for God is love. Love is of God, and every time we express love, every time we extend love, we align ourselves with the greatest force on the earth. In his image and his likeness, Y'all, we were created to love well. We all, I love that he keeps it so childlike. I don't care who you are in this room. You have an ability to love well. You have an ability to bake something for someone who's needing some encouragement. You have the ability to go serve someone who's not feeling well. You have the ability to send someone a card of encouragement who's lost. You align yourself with the greatest force of earth because now you're operating in the love of God. I want you to look at your hands and just look at your hands because I want to tell you something and I don't want you to ever forget this because it's true. Those are the hands of Jesus that you're looking at. Like those, your hands, my hands, those are the hands of Jesus. And I want to explain this to you. Let me go back, y'all. Created in his image and in his likeness. We are all he has We are the hands, you've heard it, we're the hands and feet of Jesus. But I want you to remember this when you look at your hands. Your hands are the hands of Jesus. That's what brings an expression of love. Just start loving well. Exercise muscles that maybe you have not yet exercised and align yourself with that great force called love. I want to end with this. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. Love this passage. These three abide, faith, hope, and love. Yet love surpasses them all. So above all else, let love be the beautiful prize for which you run. 
You were made to love well, ladies. Before they come up and break you up into groups, I want to pray over you since this is our last night together. And I want you to posture your heart to receive what is his heart as I pray this over you. So let's just bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the honor and the privilege of being with your children tonight. Lord, your daughters tonight, that you've given me an audience with them, and what an honor. Lord, I plead the blood of Jesus over every one of these women. I pray that these principles will have taken root deep within their hearts, that they will begin applying these principles, and then they will begin eating and enjoying the fruit that comes from those principles applied to their life. Lord, I thank you that it's not my words that are ordered tonight. It's your words. It's not my expression of love. It's your expression of love. I thank you for the opportunity of us to gather together. I thank you for what you're going to do from tonight going forward in this body, in this community, in their homes, in their marriages, and as moms and friends. I speak a blessing over every woman within the sound of my voice. God, your word says that where we go, we can command a blessing on a house. So tonight, I command a blessing over the women of Broussard and the women of New Iberia. And all I want you to say is, I receive that great blessing. In Jesus' precious name.